Hello and welcome to the Minimum Competence episode for Monday, November 6th, 2023. I'm your host for today, Andrew Leahy, a tax and technology attorney from New Jersey. In today's episode, we have the implosion of Strook. Private equity wants clarity. SCOTUS case will pit domestic violence prevention and gun rights against each other. And X restructuring hampers disinformation research. Let's adjust to the changing time by diving directly into a big bowl of today's legal news. On this day in legal history, November 6, 1917, New York State adopted a state constitutional amendment granting the vote to women. On that date in 1917, a pivotal moment in legal history unfolded as the state of New York adopted Amendment 1, a legislatively referred constitutional amendment which granted women equal voting rights. This landmark decision was the culmination of nearly seven decades of tireless advocacy since the first Women's Rights Convention in Seneca Falls, New York in 1848. The suffrage movement in New York was spearheaded by notable figures such as Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, and Sojourner Truth, among others who were instrumental in pushing for this change. The approval of women's suffrage in New York was significant not only for the state, but also for the national movement, setting a precedent three years prior to the ratification of the 19th Amendment at the federal level, which would grant women the right to vote across the United States. The efforts of suffragists like Alice Paul, who demonstrated and were arrested for protesting outside of the White House, were crucial in influencing President Wilson to support what would eventually become the 19th Amendment. This adoption represented a significant leap forward for women's rights and was a testament to the dedicated activism of the suffrage movement. New York's decision to enfranchise women was a critical step towards a broader national recognition of women's suffrage, reinforcing the state's role as a leader in the fight for gender equality. Strook and Strook and Lavin, a once venerable New York law firm with a storied 150-year history, has commenced layoffs of 140 employees as it initiates its dissolution. Founded in 1876, Strook became a legal institution renowned for its work in corporate and financial law with offices across the United States. Despite its longevity and the respect garnered in legal circles reflected in its attorney's recognition in industry publications, the firm faced an insurmountable crisis leading to a mass exodus of partners to Hogan Lovells and an eventual vote by the remaining partners to dissolve the firm in late October of 2023. The firm's closure marks the end of an era for a law firm that once played a pivotal role in New York's legal landscape, having advised multinational corporations and cultivated longstanding relationships with Wall Street's financial companies since its early days. Private equity firms are seeking legal advice regarding the Department of Justice's new policy on M&A disclosures, which offers a safe harbor for self-reporting misconduct. This new initiative provides a clearer path for buyers to avoid prosecution and is causing a stir among companies that are habitual acquirers. The policy resonates due to clearer self-reporting timelines and is under scrutiny for potentially increasing M&A activity, which some criticize for fostering market concentration. The DOJ now gives companies six months post-acquisition to self-report for declinations and a year to rectify misconduct. This has prompted companies to be more diligent in due diligence with law firms coordinating corporate and white-collar expertise to advise on identifying potential offenses during this process. While some lawyers don't see this as a significant change, it does offer more concrete guidance for in-house compliance and could encourage more rigorous post-acquisition reviews. However, the complexity of deciding to self-disclose remains, with reputational and investigative costs being significant considerations. The U.S. Supreme Court is set to hear a case challenging a federal law that prohibits individuals under domestic violence restraining orders from possessing firearms. The appeal comes after the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that the law was unconstitutional, influenced by the Supreme Court's Bruin decision, which dictates that gun laws must align with the nation's historical tradition of firearm regulation. 
while gun right advocates back the challenge. The Biden administration, some prosecutors and former state chief justices argue for the law's necessity in protecting domestic violence victims. The case has crossed typical partisan lines with some conservative figures supporting the law and public defenders, typically liberal, challenging it on grounds of overcriminalization and procedural fairness. The Supreme Court's decision will address the balance between gun rights and public safety in cases of domestic violence. Elon Musk's restructuring of Twitter, now referred to as X, has significantly impacted disinformation research. Over 100 studies were canceled or altered due to limited access to Twitter's data, affecting researchers' ability to analyze misinformation spread during critical events. A previously free data tool used by researchers was discontinued in a cost-cutting move, with paid tiers now too expensive for most academics. This has led to concerns about the ability to conduct research ahead of major elections. Musk's legal action against the Center for Countering Digital Hate has also instilled fear of legal repercussions among researchers, further stifling independent scrutiny of the platform's handling of disinformation. This comes amid investigations by the EU into Twitter's compliance with new internet laws, which demand access to data for researchers under certain conditions. And with that, I thank you so much for listening to Minimum Competence, your daily news podcast for lawyers. If you're looking for more than Minimum Competence, links to further reading on all the topics touched on today are in the show notes. If you have any questions or story suggestions, you can find us on Mastodon on the ESQ.social instance. I'm at Andrew and my co-host Gina is at Gina. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and do not represent those of any organization we may be affiliated with. Nothing here should be construed as legal advice because it is explicitly not legal advice. Reviews go a long way towards helping new listeners to find our show. If you have a moment, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast player. We'd sure appreciate it. And if you know someone that might be interested in a story we cover, consider sending them the episode. Minimum Competence is available at minimumcomp.com and wherever it is you get your finely crafted podcasts. If you haven't checked out the website in a while, give it a look. There are complete transcripts and resources for each episode and its corresponding segments, as well as an opportunity to receive new episodes in email newsletter form. All of the links to stories we cover will also be available on links.esq.social, which is our link aggregator in the Fediverse. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And until then, remember... The only thing standing between you and pulling another fall back on your personal clocks and gaining yet another hour is good judgment.